Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, this is Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I'm your host, Tom Sutton. It is 2.30, no, it's 2.41 a.m. And I'm ready for some late night Star Wars podcasting. Um, I think due to some slightly ill-advised strong coffee consumption later in the day, I am very nicely awake and uh, actually pretty packed with Star Wars enthusiasm right now. So let's get into it. Um, Man, it has been Star Wars good times uh, lately. Um, A lot of you will be aware that uh, they decided to put The Empire Strikes Back back in cinemas. Um, This happened uh, in a few places around the world. I was seeing people talk about it in the US, seeing people talk about it in the UK. I was feeling pretty jealous. And uh, then my friend Maggie dropped dropped that message telling me like, yeah, it's happening here in uh, Sweden as well. So uh, that, I, I did the, <laughs> the mad scramble and um, I ended up booking uh, for two sessions. I went with uh, Amanda and uh, her boyfriend Peter and her brother Axel um, uh, on the Friday and then went with Maggie on Monday. And, um, you know, it was... It was... Every- <laughs> Everything you, I kind of uh, expected or hoped it would be. It was such a fun time. I think um, like it would have been nice if they had organized the 4K version for that release uh, because, you, you know, I think compared to modern films, you do see a bit of a difference. It has a bit of a fuzzier look than modern films do. Um, and I think that a 4K version would have sorted that out. But <clears throat> other than that, it was awesome. I'm glad they picked that one. That's the one least affected by the special edition changes. So uh, good times there. Um, yeah, I mean, I had I had an awesome time. It was just... I, I, they, you can't replace that feeling or you can't replicate that feeling of, um, you know, the screen goes dark a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then BAM! And you're off. Um, it's just, I mean, it, it is kind of shocking or amazing that a film that is 40 years old can still stand up as well as that does. I mean, I, I think about, like, if you went to, if you were a cinema goer in 1980, which I was, that was the first Star Wars I ever saw, was The Empire Strikes Back in uh, 1980. Thanks, Dad. He took me to this, to see that. Um, I imagine, like, if you had taken kids to films from the ni- from 1940, how many kids would have been like, sick, bro, I can't wait to see whatever this is. I just, you wouldn't see it. And some, something I noticed it was that uh, on Monday, uh, there were quite a lot of kids there. And I just think it's incredible that you can put a 40-year-old film in front of a bunch of kids and they can still have an awesome time with it. Um, something that was kind of fun about seeing uh, Empire on the big screen was the fact that uh, 
you know, how many times have we seen this film? A billion? No, not quite. But uh, we have seen that film more than once or twice. And still there's stuff to see that, uh, that, are, that you haven't noticed before. And I think that seeing it on the big screen was a big part of that. So for me personally, um, I think the one thing that uh, really jumped out the most uh, was the fact that um, towards the end of the film when um, so Lando, Chewie, Leia, R2 and C-3PO are trying to escape Bespin, they're trying to get make their way to the Millennium Falcon. Towards the end of their escape, um, you know, they're all shooting stormtroopers as they go. And at one point, Leia is laying into it. She's just knocking down stormtrooper after stormtrooper. And um, you act, uh, at one point, you know, she's firing around the corner and you see Lando come up behind her and he has to physically grab her by the back of her uh, jumpsuit and drag her away from blasting stormtroopers away. It's incredible. <laughs> I can't believe I've never noticed that before. I just, I, mean, I really loved it because um, it just, it, I, to me, it contributes to two, to two aspects. Firstly, it, um, it just makes Leia more fucking tough and cool. You know, she's like, She's not. It's, she's not just like, yeah. I will shoot a. I will shoot a stormtrooper if I have to. But she's like, mowing them down and going after them. And like Lando, literally had to be like, all right, Leia, we need to get on the ship and leave. That was cool. Uh, but it also, I think that the emotion behind that felt. If to me, it felt very much like, um, you know, when. Um, when Obi-Wan is killed in episode four um, and you see Luke kind of go, get like, and he starts blasting stormtroopers. It was, to me, it was a bit of that where she has had enough of, of the empire and um, she's, yeah, some, uh, I was talking online with some people and they mentioned that this was her grief at um, having this man that she, had now realized that she had strong feelings for that um that uh yeah that he had been now taken from her and that it was partly her grief driving her in those scenes so i i, I loved it it was it was fantastic um now uh, my friend amanda as i've met, you know i've said, we've had her on the show and if you remember she works in um t- she works in tailoring she has worked um for the opera here in Gothenburg, and um, she, yeah, she's been involved in film and TV, uh, doing costume stuff. And her boyfriend Peter also works in the film and TV industry. He he works in special effects, especially practical uh, effects. So he, uh, he's a huge Star Wars fan too. This man, I ha- he has made a, a couple of things from the Star Wars universe, uh, galaxy, but, uh, man, I have to get photos of his Bush costume that he made. It is beyond screen accurate. It is fantastic, incredible work. Anyway, so he's a big Star Wars fan, uh, but being that he is in the industry and uh, works in, uh, you know, um, practical effects and, uh, and whatnot, 
Um, he's looking at the film in a particular way. And he came out having noticed things that uh, he had never noticed before as well. Um, one of them was that, um, again, at the end, when they're uh, escaping on the Falcon, uh, Chewie has 3PO strapped to his back. He bends down to, uh, to go up the ramp and uh, he manages to wham C-3PO's head into a light fitting or into the, like the, the, the bottom of the, of the Falcon as he's going up there. It's a funny moment. Um, but yeah, 3PO's head hits this light fitting. And um, <laughs> you can see that that light fitting seems to have been uh, basically like stuck to the bottom of... Uh, stuck to the phone with double-sided tape or something because it moves in a way that, uh, yeah, definitely looks like it was taped on. But uh, more interesting than that I, uh, even was um, he came out saying, there's one shot um, in the carbon freezing chamber where one of the stormtroopers has a pauldron falling off. Now, if you're not sure what a pauldron is, it is the, uh, the basically the shoulder pad portion of a suit of armor. Um. Yeah, he came out saying like, "Did you notice there was one stormtrooper with his like his armor just falling off?" And um, a no, I didn't notice that. And B, I have never heard anyone talk about that. You know, there are certain um, kind of bloopers that people are pretty aware of, and uh, of course, um. The most famous being uh, the stormtrooper hitting his head on the door in uh, A New Hope as he comes through the door. Classic. But this one I've actually never heard anyone talk about. I'm wondering how many people know about this. Um, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put it out there and see uh, if I uh, if anyone uh, responds with like, "Yep, I knew that." Because I've actually, you know, despite years of uh, being being in the fandom for years, I've not heard people talk about it before. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't see it on that viewing. So when I went back uh, with Maggie on Monday and watched it, um, I had my eyes peeled. And boom, there it was. It's very visible. Um, and then, yeah, when I got home, I uh, cracked open the, la the laptop and uh, took some screenshots of it. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to put those out at some point. But, um, yeah, I am going to investigate how widely known that is. And I'm not having a crack at the movie. I'm not, I'm not doing it in a mean-spirited way. But uh, it's just um, pretty fascinating. This, this kind of stuff gets, uh, usually gets noticed pretty, uh, pretty early on. And that one I've not heard people talk about. All right. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. I think... Um, you know, I've, I've been rewatching the saga a bit more than usual recently. I think I came to the realization, like, Tom, if you want to watch, watch Star Wars, watch Star Wars. Like, I, I try not to watch them too much because I want to, I want to have that that impact each time I, I put them on. But man, you know, and also I feel stupid. Like, there are a lot of films out there. There, uh, we're living in a golden age of television. I have Netflix, I have HBO, like you could be watching hundreds of hours of stuff you've never seen before. Are you really going to watch Star Wars again? Uh, but I'm starting to feel like, yeah, I am going to watch Star Wars again, actually. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Why not? It's what I love. 
seriously, I started recently. I started watching um, uh, the Revenant, I believe it's called, and I got ten minutes into it, and I was just like, "Oh, this is." I mean, it's very quote unquote good, but it's just miserable. I would rather be watching Star Wars, so I turned it off. <laughs> yep. Anyway, um, but yeah, I have been watching. Um, I have seen Empire more times recently than I have done in recent years. Uh, but still, there was, you know, fresh impressions from uh, from these viewings. Um, I think so, something I have commented commented on before is how funny, how funny the, these films, the, the, the original trilogy is. And 3PO is on fire in that film. It's... There are uh, the jokes are here. Ah, that's the other thing that I noticed that I had never noticed before. Uh, Echo Base on Hoth. Um, you know, um, Han has returned from his um, whatever you call it, his patrol, and um, he's yeah he's hearing from from three PO that no one knows where Luke is from, so he calls him. You know deck officer or whatever and then he comes over and 3PO tries to keep talking and and Han puts his hand over 3PO's mouth as he's talking to this uh this rebel soldier all this is of course pretty obvious but what I I never noticed before was that (laughs) 3PO stands there wiggling his arms and you can hear like the servo motors on you know that you hear whenever 3PO moves you can hear them going slightly and just like this kind of like awkward wiggle as if you know like a human would do if you like covered their mouth it's just a really gorgeous piece of uh you know subtle comedy and um yeah i think 3po is magic in that film like it's just the 3po jokes are fantastic so uh for sure i'm gonna say like uh the top two 3po films are empire and the rise of skywalker which leads us on to, uh, yeah, my other amazingly fun Star Wars experience recently, which was um, seeing The Rise of Skywalker again on the big screen. And not just the big screen, but the biggest screen in Gothenburg. Um, I, yeah, well, I, I guess I, I was flicking through the, the uh, SFBO app and I noticed <gasps> The Rise of Skywalker. And... Um, Lo and behold, they put it on uh, on in IMAX again, and I have to say, I've actually I've actually had this thought in you know, recently where, man, I'm sad that I'm not going to get to see the Rise of Skywalker in IMAX again. Like, it's cool on the big screen. That's great. It's um. It's a lot of fun at home on my Samsung TV. But every time I have seen that film in IMAX, it has been the best fun ever. I just, the visual quality and especially the sound blows me away. It is so cool. And just simple stuff, just like the the sound of the Emperor's voice, that this rumble you get it's so so amazing i mean when you know when uh, when kylo ren says what could you give me 
and there's that split second of, of just silence and then everything and then like the ships start rising out of the I don't know if I'm still unsure is it the earth's the, the surface of that planet or is it is that ice or what I don't know but um, the, it just I, at multiple times during this viewing I caught myself having the exact facial expression that kids have on like Christmas morning it was just like you know mouth open just like I'm having the best time I really like yeah, I was so that was my fifth time seeing it in IMAX and eighth time overall in the on the big screen. It's um, it's uh, really makes me sad that there are so many people that uh, didn't love it. Because, like, I, again, I'm I'm aware of the things that aren't perfect about it, but. Oh, I just think that the the things that I like about it are fantastic. And it's... Okay. Hang on. I got to stretch out a bit here. All right. So, uh, yeah, I have recently... Um, just because I knew I was going to be seeing Empire uh, in, the, in the cinema, I watched um, A New Hope and uh then watched empire twice and then saw return of the jedi um and th then uh yeah watched the force awakens and the last jedi at home and uh then yeah headed off to see the rise of skywalker in imax so um yeah just some just some um reflections again my love for the original trilogy it's not my imagination. I mean, it hasn't been that long since I saw them, but it still just was so enjoyable. I love, oh, wonderful. And then, um, and again, The Force Awakens. I just, to me, that is Star Wars. I think it's so exciting, so fun. The characters are total. 10 out of 10s out of 10s like Ray's amazing Finn's amazing Poe's amazing Kylo Ren is super amazing um I uh you know the, there's only a couple of little things the only things I don't really like about it is like like this thing of R2-D2 being under a tarp being in low power mode that just feels a bit like he's a droid I don't think he gets to decide that for himself um, and also this idea of a map to Luke Skywalker like I mean he had a ship with high, with light speed capability could it be could be anywhere uh, anyway uh, other than that it's just a f it's just magic total Star Wars magic to me um, The Last Jedi I hate to say it, because I don't want the dickheads to be right about anything ever. But I just I have a lot less fun with that movie than the other two in the in the in the sequel trilogy. Um, it's funny, like I know the exact moment where I in it where it stops being one of my favorite Star Wars movies. So it starts. 
that whole opening sequence. Like, I mean, I've seen it so many times. And every time... I mean, I, okay, A, you got like with, with Poe and BB-8 and that ridiculous suicide run and then him taking out the cannons... Hux's face when he realizes what's going on. When he like looks over at the dreadnought and you just see this boom, boom, as the cannons are exploding, and he just realizes like, oh man, I have fucked up again. Captain Kennedy, fire on the base! It's just it's awesome. It's awesome. And every time Paige Tico makes that ultimate sacrifice and uh Hits the release on the bombs. It t- tears, tears in my eyes. I love it. Um, even you know, like uh, Cranky Luke was a challenge at first, um, but uh, I've grown to really like him. So even like that, you know, throwing the saber and um, go away and and. Um, I mean that moment where Chewie kicks the door down and then his, his or that where's Han line from Luke. It's beautiful and a beautiful performance. Uh anyway, that yeah, the film is wonderful. I I love it. And then we we meet Rose, I love that. But it's just you know the moment where I start to be like, okay, here's the beginning of stuff I don't love. It's when her and Finn do this quite obviously, you know, like, okay, any film of this type is going to feature um, exposition where you explain the plot of the movie to the viewers in some way. And obviously one of the big uh, tricks of writing films like this is putting exposition into the film in the smoothest way possible so it doesn't draw attention to itself and so that it's not boring or obvious. And uh, that scene where, like, they, they suddenly, like, come to the same conclusion where, you know, which means they're tracking us from the lead ship or whatever. It just, to me, it's almost like there's a, on the screen going, like, Exposition now. Um, so I don't love that. And then that weird scene where like Maz Kanata is like <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm if you know the film, you know what I'm talking about. That seems weird. And then uh, like the Holdo maneuver is one of the best moments in the Star Wars saga. I love it. But the kind of the stuff with um between her and Poe it's okay, but it doesn't, to me, it doesn't sparkle. And Canto Bite really doesn't sparkle. Like, DJ, like, he's okay, again, fine. But I don't like, I don't know, it just feels, like, I remember when the, the um, those, uh, the, the costumes for the casino stuff, they were actually, like, I don't know if they were part of an exhibition or something, before the release of the film, I remember looking at those and going, "That just looks like Earth clothes. What? This is gonna, this is gonna be in Star Wars? Hmm, okay, I guess I gotta wait to wait and see." Sadly, it was not 
my favorite thing about it. Um, and just like like BB-8 with the coins in him, and he like defeats and ties up a bunch of cops who look like cops. And I believe they're even referred to as cops. Maybe it would have been cool to call them security forces or something a bit more Star Wars-y. Um, but yeah, again, like, but there's also just magic moments. Like, Crate kicks ass. I think, you know, there's there's sometimes stuff that flies past and you've seen similar things in other films and you just don't appreciate them enough. But the Falcon arriving on Crate is killer. And then them just cranking through that, like, the red... Um, the red caverns of crate is so good. Mm. Yeah. So there's lots of stuff I like in that film, but, um, yeah, I, I keep wanting to like it more than I actually do, but, uh, it is what it is. And then, um, yeah. So, uh, got into the, the cinema for, uh, the rise of Skywalker and it's just, I've said this before, but it's like an all-you-can-eat dessert bar and you're just cramming delicious item into your face, like cake after cake, donut after donut. Are there things that aren't exactly right? Are there issues with the pacing? Yep. But I just... The performances are fantastic. Visually, I'll put this up against any other Star Wars movie. I just... um, It's so cool. It really is sad that Carrie wasn't there to be part of it properly. I think that's going to have a negative uh, impact on the film, you know, forever. Like, it's, you can't help but, you know, be aware that, you know, these are scenes from another film that they've repurposed, you know. Um, but I just, it's one of those things where it's, where I just like, where you go like, oh, I love this beat. Oh, I love this. Ah, oh, this is one of my favorite beats. Ah, oh, this is also one of my favorite beats. Oh, oh look at it. Ah, ow, this is awesome. Just uh, that's how the that's how the Rise of Skywalker is for me. Um, man, yeah, I. It's funny, like different scenes will hit you emotionally in different ways on different viewings and I would have to say the scene that has you know been consistently the most impactful for me was unsurprisingly Kylo and Han Uh, but on this on this viewing it was actually it it was another scene that really hit me Um, on the most recent one uh, most recent viewing for me, the scene that really kicked me in the feels was um, on Exegol, in front of the, you know, the destroyed throne of the Sith. Ray is lying lifeless and Kylo dragging himself out of that pit and across the floor to get to her. And as he reaches her, he gets he gets himself to an angle where he can kind of see her face and he kind of pauses there for a second as if he's kind of like frozen because he he can see that she's not she's not there she's not she's not alive anymore and 
as he approaches her and gently picks her up. Oh, that got the waterworks going on this viewing for sure. It was just amazing. And I have to say for that entire, you know, especially early on, like I think the... um, the messiness of that of the end of it, it was one of my least favorite things about it, and I felt like especially like I mean, what's better than a, a kick-ass Star Wars space battle? But that battle felt it felt messy and unfocused, and it didn't have those like kind of mini narratives within it that really, you know. It, Space battles are not just like stuff flying around shooting at each other. Um, I think when you look at the great the great ones, so uh, you know people always talk about Episode Four and Rogue One as the best space battles in Star Wars. I would say, yeah, Rogue One definitely. You get these amazing moments like uh, Blue Squadron trying to get through that shield, and then you see like a couple of them don't make it. Um, but I think especially episode four, you see, you feel like you get to know those pilots, even in the very short time you, you, you they, they are on screen, you, you somehow get to know them in a way. And you see them kind of locked in, um, in battle with these, these Thai pilots. And um, you can kind of follow each of them and kind of follow what's going on and what their story is. Um, so I feel like the rise of Skywalker, that battle on Exegol is a bunch of stuff flying around and you're not given enough time to like follow one pilot for more than one hundredth of a second, it seems. Um, now having said that, that, and actually the whole rest of the film, that, the, the like super like fast paced nature of it, um, it's really it's settled much better for me now and uh like for me the end was the least satisfying part of the film uh, when i first you know my first few viewings which felt pretty <laughs> unfortunate <laughs> because you know I, I you can kind of forgive a a bit of a misstep here and there but if you finish strong then you walk out of the cinema going like yes you know but I was like, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good, you know. Um, but I, I'm actually the tempo and the the, the the structure of that whole last section of the film is sitting for me, even you know, better than it ever has. You know, now that I've seen it, you know, multiple times. Um, yeah. Oh, and again, that scene on I, I, in our part by part commentary on the podcast. Um, the last time, the last thing we did was Ray and Kylo on Pasana, and pff, that scene again. Like seriously, I've seen it five times in IMAX. 
once I get off this podcast, I'm going to go check my check my phone, check the app again to see if it's going to be an IMAX again because I, I could go see it again. It's That scene on Patano is magic, man. When when they're using the force, you know, that classic low-end rumble that uh, the sound designers always put in when uh, my character is using the force. Um, oh, in IMAX, it just really... It's incredible. And... It's funny sometimes when you say something is true, the next time it happens, you're so aware that you have said it is a certain way that you actually can trick yourself out of having it happen. But I I have said before that every time Ray accidentally fires the force lightning into that transport and blows it up and thinks that she has killed Chewie, every time she screams, Chewie, there it is. I got goosebumps again just talking about it. Anyway, it happened to me again on that viewing. Like her response and, and Finn's reaction. That is amazing. So I just like, I, yeah, I just feel like if people didn't love that film, that's okay. Uh, but I don't really get it. <laughs> like if you, yeah, I I'm not going to dwell on the neg- on the negatives. I had an ah, oh, here's another thing that felt a bit different to me on this viewing. Um, I had felt in the past that the lightsaber fight between Kylo and Rey on the wreckage of the Death Star, um, I thought it was. I always thought it was good, um, but considering that that was kind of the final lightsaber duel of the Skywalker saga um, I felt that they might have gone for it a bit more in terms of like I, I'm not super into that the prequel style of uh, lightsaber fights where it looks almost balletic um, and overly choreographed I've, I've loved their approach in the sequel trilogy where it's a bit more um sweaty and realistic to me you know a bit bit simplified and emotional um but i would have liked i felt like i would have liked a little bit more um pizzazz perhaps it seems a bit more like that fights a little bit more like just big swings and stuff but on this viewing i got a, I got more of a sense of the rhythm and the storytelling going on behind that fight. Um, I feel like both characters are at the fucking end of their tethers, basically. They've been fighting for so long. They've been facing each other down for so long. They're exhausted in a way. And not just physically exhausted, but they're tired of... I think they're both tired of the stress and the conflict and the just all this stuff that they've been, they've had on their minds for this whole time. And when you like, they are fighting each other. Um, but there's this sense of just like desperation kind of. So I, I like that. And I think, you know, man, when those waves hit, it's um it's so dramatic and so cool and mm, yeah i really i really liked you know i, f- I feel like 
Maz is used a little bit like a that kind of like um, narrator, basically like we don't have time to show you, or in this case, Carrie Fisher is no longer with us, so we can't put on screen what's going on exactly. So it's kind of like Maz has to kind of um, narrate what's happening with Leia so that it will be make sense to the viewer. I think so. It's maybe a necessary evil in that one, in that way. Um, but uh, yeah, Leia giving the last last of her energy to save the soul of her son. I think that's wonderful. It's magic. And um, Ray's line, I did want to take your hand. Ben's hand. Whew. I love that. And she leaves. And the next time she sees him, he is Ben Solo. It's fantastic. Yeah. So I would love to get back in the cinema and watch it in IMAX one more time. <laughs> How many times is enough? I don't know. But I just like... I've said this to multiple people over the last week or so, you know, with Empire back in the cinema. They should put the whole saga in the cinema once a year. Now, me personally, I'm not going to be lining up to go see the prequels necessarily, but put them all in. Put them all in the cinema, like for a week. Make like Star Wars week once a week, and you can do the star the the episodic films. You can put Rogue One and Solo in there. You could even do like Clone Wars Siege of Mandalore mega mix. Put that in the cinema. Just make like once a week Star Wars week. Promise you, you're getting people. Promise you, you're selling tickets to that. I mean, I would be there every year. I would want to see most of those films in the cinema again. Yes. All right. Um... I'm, well, I, I'm reading six books at once, so I'm very slow making it through all of them. <laughs> like I'm going to be 62 years old by the time I finish all these books. But um, something that was interesting in, so I, I've mentioned, I think I mentioned in the last episode, uh, this costumes book that I'm reading. Um, the first costume they get into in detail is Leia's. Uh, New Hope outfit. And um, I just wanted to read you the caption to one of the pictures because I thought this was interesting and it was something that I had never noticed before. So, um, we're all familiar with Leia's iconic episode 4 look. The, uh, the hair, the the space, the space puffs—is that what they're called? Anyway, the hairdo, the white gown. But did you notice that it's more or less the same outfit that she's wearing at the end of *The Empire Strikes Back*? Because I never noticed that it was the same outfit. But this is what the um, this is what the caption is. Um for uh, some of the photos regarding Princess Leia's uh, outfit. So this version, it says, this version of Leia's diplomatic gown was created for the final scene of The Empire Strikes Back. 
It is a faithful copy of her original costume, though made from a heavier fabric with a shorter collar and reduced sleeve width. How about that? So yeah, I never, I never made the connection before. I think that if uh, at the end of Empire, if she had had the star, star puffs, that's what it's called. If she had had the star puffs hairdo, then it would have been pretty like, oh yeah, yeah, she's wearing, um, she's wearing the same outfit. But um, oh, can you hear that? Some squeaky book business. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have, uh, of course, just seen The Rise of Skywalker in the cinema, but we must roll on with our scene-by-scene uh, -scene, um, commentary. All right, so we left off last time at the end of the amazing uh, face-off on Pasana, Ray doing the super flip, one of my favorite moments in the film and in the sequel trilogy and in Star Wars. There, I said it. All right. We uh, then get into this asteroid, fi asteroid field. We've got Ochi's ship. Ray is trying to process what has just happened. Oh, the emotion on her face is amazing in this scene. I love it. I think that something that I got lost a little bit on early viewings for me is um, this kind of thing of like why she's terrified of her history or her heritage. Um, you know, again, you know, like Luke, like I mentioned with Luke, she's not she's been a great, great, a good person this whole time. She, I'm not sure that like do we need to be worried that she's gonna fall to the dark side. Well, she's going to just suddenly turn into a, like a horrible person. No, I don't think so. But um, the fact that she, you know, there... Oh, okay, i got to pause it for a second. The fact that she has um, had this vision of the Sith throne that, with Kylo Ren on it and her, you know. So there's this, this uh, yeah, this terror about uh, what... what could become of her growing inside of her. It's great. I, I really like um, like Finn. To me, will he was at his best in the Force Awakens. Um, there's not a ton of great Finn moments for me in the Last Jedi. I love. <laughs> Finn, naked, leaking bag, what? That's an amazing moment. I love that. Um, anyway, uh, there's some nice moments here. And I think this uh, real, this connection and the real, the, the care that he has for Ray is lovely in that scene there. All right, we have this super cool shot of the Millennium Falcon. It comes into the shot just like you would normally expect a shot of the Falcon. Uh, but as you kind of pan back or as, as you see that as the ship flies on, you see that it's being towed by TIE fighters, which is a cool new way to see that ship. Um, man, the, the, the bridges of these uh, ships look super cool. I like, I think it's, to me, it's it really is um, 
like of course perfectly reminiscent of the bridges of the OT Star Destroyers, but this this kind of blue bluish hue—I think I've said that before—along with these like really nice bright um, button colors, which are all you know classic reds and whites and stuff. Um, I love the looks of these. Allegiant Gen General Pride, fantastic. Love that guy. Like I like I love this. Where, uh, yeah, they've got uh, Chewie kind of tied up. <laughs> he does this huge roar that blows Hux's hair forward. That's good stuff. This is, oh, this gets a big laugh out of me every time. It's a nice little scene. Um, the gang are arguing about what to do next because they, they've lost the dagger because Chewie had it. And... <laughs> <laughs> and 3PO just goes like, such a pity. You know, I have it in my memory banks. They're like, what? You have it in your... Oh, 3PO. Like, just how infuriating he is, is fantastic. Something that I really noticed on recent rewatches is that 3PO doesn't look the best in The Force Awakens. He's got this like, kind of more like burnished, dull look to to his plating which i'm assuming they do they did to avoid having to painstakingly um ilm the fuck out of c3po to get all this the stuff um you know um part of the problem they have with that is that he reflects everything so you can see the cameraman in you you know so they actually have to go in and digitally remove camera you know the camera and lights and whatnot from c-3po's armor anyway it looks very shiny and cool here um i'm happy about that and i really like this moment for chewy and the hands they hold hands and then of course three po's are like i'm here too i'm in the gang i'm holding hands too everybody i love that super cute Right, and we see the ship belonging to the Knights of Ren follow them towards Kajimi. It's great. All right, this is a cute little moment. We get the introduction of Dio. Now, I've heard this from a few people. I'm not the only one. Um, okay, when when BB-8 was revealed. What an instant hit he was. Everybody loved BB-8 immediately. And then um, when they revealed Dio in a, in similar fashion, I believe also at uh, uh, Star Wars Celebration, it was a bit of a like, looks okay, I guess. Oh, I've got to pause it. Looks okay, I guess. Cute-ish. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I wasn't super optimistic about how much I was going to like that character, but woo, that moment where Ray like bends down to kind of pat him like a like a like a puppy dog, and he backs off and goes, "No, thank you." <laughs> Such a weird concept. I think if you can put weird into Star Wars and make it work, then you're onto something. That's part of the Star Wars magic. So this squeaky little whack job robot who. Um, He's scared of of uh, people getting too close to him because he's had a bit of a rough past. Something cool about that. 
this shot of Ochi's ship approaching Kijimi, I'm into it. I love it. Um, I have to say that Kijimi in general is a big favorite of mine. I think the production design on the, the city is impeccable. So stylish. Um, you, know, you probably will have heard about this, but this was one of the biggest practical sets ever built for, for a film. And I think I love that they're all wearing these kind of winter jackets. That is cool. I love that you... Okay. You, you, I love that you get to see First Order troops actually being oppressive. Something that I can't stand about episode one is that you have this like, you know, this invading army and there's no, there's no people in the city as far as we can tell. You don't see them arresting anyone or pushing anyone around. I, I don't like that at all. Um, so to see them, you know, busting people's doors down and arresting people, it's awesome. That's what bad guys should do. And I just think like, the weathering on all this stuff looks fantastic. I love the snowflakes drifting through the air. I love that, like, the sound design is like, oh, this dude with like 15 eyes in his head. I love that guy. That doorway is super cool. This kind of keyhole shaped doorway that he uh, comes through and then back straight back into it. I love it. Oh, that's okay. If you read the visual dictionary, it insinuates. That one of the characters you see in the bar that they have to go through to get to uh, meet Babu Freak, uh, they insinuate that that's actually Dengar and that he looks weird because he has gone through a series of brutal surgeries in order to extend his life. Um, and so he's like this kind of half, this kind of cyborg creature now. And so you actually see him walk past quickly there. I really like that actually. Um, oh, I just think these first order uniforms are a super cool design. <laughs> There's something again hilarious about three PO wearing a like a winter jacket. Like, I just think yes, Zori Zori Bliss. Oh, I love this character. Kerry Russell's voice, fantastic. The whole like, I have to say when um. You know, when they started releasing stills and or like character shots of characters and stuff uh, from the film in the promotional material. When I saw Zori Bliss, that was a little bit of the prequel style over design for me. Um, too colorful, too shiny. But once I saw her in the film, I was like, nah, I'm a fan. I love it. These um these like pirate style pistols she she has, fantastic. Love the helmet. Um, if in the art of books you see like some of the design ideas for her crew are incredibly cool. Would have been nice to see a bit more of them. They're mostly basically shadowy figures in the background. But um, I love Kerry Russell's performance. I just think it's like a really yeah the tough. The, the combination of tough and cool is perfect. And I understand, like, a lot of people are pretty fed, fed up with the bullshit of 
heteronormative stuff in uh, pop culture and including Star Wars and that they would have liked to have seen uh, Poe and Finn build on their chemistry their like romantic chemistry that would have been nice I, I agree that would have been nice um, and that they feel like this stuff between Poe and Zori Bliss is super like shoehorned in it is but I, I also feel like I, I, like I believe it I mean, it's it's uh, Oscar Isaac. He's not an unattractive man, um, so I guess you can believe about uh, believe it, no matter who it is. But um, I I don't dislike that. It's just one of my favorite quick little gags coming up. Where he's like, <laughs> she let slip that he was a spice runner and you were a spice runner you were a stormtrooper you were a spice runner you were a scavenger we can do this all night whoo it's so fast and so good ah this stuff man okay we're heading into this like jakanka no jakanka thing it's so fast like you can barely see what ray does but it's it just looks cool bam wham wham there's a lot of getting whacked with a stick going on I love, yeah, I love that, you know, Ray. Yeah, she asks in a way that is kind of like open and vulnerable, which is, I think, partly what makes Zori want to help. It's a little bit weird where like Zori Bliss goes like, you probably don't care, but I think you're all right. And Ray goes, I care. I actually don't understand what that line means. Does it mean that is Ray communicating, I'm not just a good fighter, I'm a good person, and I'll, it, it matters to me that other people know that I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm not just whacking people in the head for, you know, for fun here. Is that the point of it? Or... Because she is so kind of scared of what she could become due to, uh, you know, what she has, um, this kind of darkness that she feels is, is rising within her. Does having this kind of like a stamp of approval from someone saying, I think you're all right, you know, she in, does she kind of need to hear that from someone in a way? Yeah, I still, I'm not clear exactly what they were talking about there. If I ever meet JJ, I'll make, be sure to ask him. Mm. All right. Uh, we are going to leave it there. Ladies and gentlemen, when we come back, it will be none other than the star of the show, Babu Freak. Mm. I can't wait. Oh. Seeing the film in IMAX. Uh, a couple of days ago or was it yesterday? yesterday Bubble Freak was just as much as a star uh, as ever so I can't wait can't wait to see him again mm. give him his own show <laughs> I don't give a shit about the bad batch sorry I don't um, bring Bubble Freak in everybody loves that guy alright well it's almost four in the morning. My voice is tired as shit. I've had an awesome time talking Star Wars. Thank you for listening. 
I'm already looking forward to our next episode, whatever that may be. Um, we're getting closer to when celebration would have been, so we might be getting closer to some uh, juicy chunks of Star Wars news after a bit of a dry spell. Let's hope so. All right. This is a Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. <laughs> <laughs>